I have plenty of emotion. Welcome back to the Emissions Uncovered podcast, the college admissions podcast for the students, by the students. As usual, my name is Michael Gao. Oh, wait, that's wrong. My name is Dominic Siski. I'm introing this time. I figured you'd appreciate that. You know, Michael intros it a little too much. Sometimes you got to mix it up over here. Uh, I'm now joined by my co-host, uh, Ni Nguyen, and uh, I believe the other guy Hello. is named Michael Gao. That is me. <laughs> this week, we're going to be talking about the uh, very sad but true aspect of the College Admissions pro- Podcast, the waitlist. The dreaded, sad. dreaded waitlist. Or it can be very happy. It could. I'm going to teach you how to be happy with the waitlist. But but to be clear, we're not like a motivation show. We're not going to teach you how to be happy. No. No. Teach no. us how to be happy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Yes. Dominic has no emotion, so he can't really do that. I have plenty of emotion. No, his emotion... <laughs> Sounded very convincing. His emotion is oh, so valuable that he keeps it locked away because he doesn't want anybody else to have it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, so to start us off... Yeah, get uh, us the, back the on wait track, list, Mr. Host. Yeah, the, the wait list comes out right when you're opening up these letters. It's kind of like that that third option. You know, you've got the... The holy grail of the acceptance letter. You've got what everybody is expecting, which is the rejection letter. And then you've got this this other elusive beast, the waitlist offer. It's very weird to open up. You open it up, you start reading it. You can pick up on these tones. You know, if you've opened up acceptance or rejection letters, you pick up on the tone right away. You're like, okay, either they're, they're happy I'm in or they're trying to say it's not your fault <laughs> yeah, and not good enough for us we just had the most competitive class you. we've ever it's had me and yeah, everybody it's so else I let in. it's not you yeah mm-hmm. well this one it's, it's kind of like all right we like you but because it was the most competitive class we obviously cannot offer admission to everybody but you are part of a select few that we would like to put on the wait list to extend this terrible process mm-hmm. even more Think about it. If, if you apply early somewhere, right? Let's say they defer you and then you get waitlisted. You're applying like November 1st to hear back, mm-hmm. what, May mm-hmm. You're 10th? preaching to the choir it's here. terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Dude, this is usually terrible, my terrible, rant. Terrible. I'm with you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, this May 1st deadline where most schools will say you have to commit to. We're actually doing an interview that you will probably see out next week. Uh, with a kid that was homeschooled, so watch out for that episode. Um, but apparently he said he has a school where the commitment date is before May 1st. Um, so watch out for that. I would check up on all the schools you got into that you have to pick from. Make sure all those dates are May 1st. If if they're before, make sure you're deciding on which school you want to go to before. But I would say because of the numbers we're going to talk about later, I think the best course of action is to just put that out of your mind temporarily and focus on the schools you got into and make your decision from there. Yeah, you for sure need to put in a deposit by the um, deadline because you don't want to be left without a school come whenever and then they're going to be like, oh, never mind, we can't take you off the wait list. Then you're just going to be a very sad, sad child. But um, yeah, because I I think don't in the letters, don't they also say that where like you you should put in a deposit for sure at another school yeah so you better do that may 1st is usually i think for most schools i haven't heard of besides like that homeschool um student who was talking about it but i think most schools are may 1st so be sure that you put in a deposit and um 
I know some schools will like waive your deposit fee if it's a financial like burden. So make sure you talk to the school beforehand if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please, 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 please put a deposit down somewhere because yeah, don't don't mess this they up. Don't they do not play around. If you come back crawling and are begging them, please, 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 I know I didn't commit to you because I was waiting on a wait list that didn't go my way, but now I love you and want to go to your school. I don't think admissions <laughs> officers are going to be that sympathetic. And then they have this long wait list of kids that actually want to go there. There you go. And also, you've lost all leverage you have on that school about financial aid, scholarships, mm-hmm. housing, mm-hmm. academic programs, research. All that yes, is gone. Sir. Now you're the one begging. You're begging again. And we just begged for a year, basically. Yeah, don't it's like you're that. starting over this application. No. Since you don't even have an application. <laughs> so yeah, pick a school before commitment day. Please. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing one thing I will say about thinking about this school, this is just my personal mm-hmm. philosophy about this, uh, because I this is this episode is uh, near and dear to me because I do have a school I'm on the wait list for. So this is my personal philosophy in approaching it. Um, and you can decide if you want to follow this or not. But I think that it is a good it, it's actually the idea to pick a school from the ones you got into right now. But I think it's also a good idea to think right now, before you put down that deposit, if I got in off the wait list, do I want to go to that school? Because what I think is going to happen, right, is from the schools that I like that I got into, which, you know, obviously I'm perfectly fine with going to. I think if I, I think when I put down the deposit on one of them, I'm probably going to become like very attached to the school. You know, they start sending you more stuff. You get your roommate, you start talking to them, you start wearing their shirts, you decorate your room. You're looking at like places to go. You're picking out your dorm. It's crazy. (laughs) And unless there's some new information, like new research at the school that they're offering or different programs, or like you go visit the school and you definitely love the school. I would say when that waitlist comes around, if you do get in, you chose to like want to stay on that waitlist and you decided that you want to go to that school for a reason. You know, sometimes like you'd say, okay, I already put down this $800 deposit, but in the grand scheme of things, you're paying gigantic tuition and it's going to dictate the rest of your life. It's a small price to pay for the school you want to go to. So I, I think it's a good idea to have some idea of what you're going to do when that waitlist offer comes back. If it is a yes, but also know that as we'll talk about in a little bit at some schools the odds are not too great so you'll definitely want to pick one of your one of the schools you were accepted into yeah a quick note on the a quick note on the deposit sometimes if you get off the wait list at a school you know you've already had to pay the deposit at another school you should always just try emailing the financial aid office and just say that look, I have already paid the deposit at another school. It would be financially burdensome for me to pay another 800 lump sum fee to another college. Can you please waive this for me? I think it's always a good idea to try to milk more money out of these schools. So send every single email you can to try to do that. And also one thing about the waitlist was, I know some schools, like specifically this one school. So usually when you open up your letter, you're like, oh, okay, waitlist. And then you usually... I don't know, a lot of people will just like click like, okay, let me, I'm just going to remain on the waitlist. Like what's what's there to lose by remaining on the yeah. waitlist? 
But I've realized some schools will be like, okay, you say this now, we're going to email you um, once again. This specific school is like April 15th, and then we're going to check to see if you actually want to stay on the wait list because a lot of times you haven't heard back from your other schools that you might want to go to more. So these schools kind of understand that a lot of people will tend to be like, okay, you waitlisted me while well, the school accepted me, and they might be more drawn towards the school that accepted them, and then they're just like, okay, um, I wouldn't mind going to the school and they'll accept it. So a lot of schools will ask you, some schools might ask you again if you want to remain on the waitlist. So like not everyone that they offer the waitlist to will accept their waitlist. Right. So we'll talk more about that when it comes into like figuring out the percentages, like the amount of people they offer the waitlist to, the amount of people that actually accept um, getting on the waitlist. And then correct me if I'm wrong, I think like if you accept the waitlist and they take you off the waitlist, you don't have to go to no, the school no, you can decline so the i offer. feel like yeah so i feel like that's why a lot of people like um put themselves on the wait list but like the other day i was thinking about this i was like okay what if i just like still like stay on the wait list like what's there to lose but then i was like if i get off of it would i really go do i really want because like it's about the whole thing like you're already committed to this school yeah you're wearing their gear um you're meeting the students you're making friends and all that so it's all about deciding if do you, would you really drop everything at the school that you've committed to yourself to for like one or two months to go to the school that you're waitlisted on? Yeah, I mean, I was that way too. I had a lot of waitlist offers for schools I hadn't, I didn't care at all about. Look, I'll name drop one of them since I don't care about them. Um, Michael. Well, it's true. Don't, don't, nope. All right, I've said that, I, I, I've kind of like said the name in previous podcasts already so i'll say it washington university in st louis i i applied to that on january 1st at 11 30 p.m central time because it sounds like a okay, great idea okay Michael. they didn't have any supplements <laughs> i had one more spot on the comment i app. think you deserve oh to be i totally deserve to be waitlisted <laughs> dude if they accepted me it would have been kind of crazy because i showed no demonstrated interest in that school because i literally just threw it on there last minute and I think they're a big demonstrated interest school. For sure. They definitely are. Especially because at the time they had no supplements. Now they do. Um, but yeah, I just threw in a supp- I just threw in an application there because it was easy and I was at a school where I didn't have to pay any. I was at a high school where I automatically got a fee waiver. So yeah, and I got waitlisted. Well. What? Mm. Okay, well. Mm. Well, I don't know about that one, Michael. Th- we can, we can put that as an there. off the record type thing. <laughs> We don't have to go into that too much. <laughs> I would not follow all of Michael's advice. It could land you in a little bit of legal trouble. Okay, there's no but... legal trouble. There's no legal trouble. All right. Michael's an econ student, not a law student. I mean, I could be a law nothing, student. Nothing he says is legal advice. Oh, yeah. Anything no. he says is his own opinion. Yes. Do not sue me. Or me. I don't want to be sued. <laughs> I don't have money for you. It's all gone to Columbia. <laughs> but yeah. I got on the waitlist there. I stayed on the waitlist just because I got denied off the waitlist. Eh. But I just stayed on it, like me, you said, because why not? Just see what happens. So would you recommend just, like, staying on the waitlist? 
I mean, it's your choice, right? I, yeah, I, like, I was always in the mindset, he's like, ooh, getting into more school sounds cool. Let's do it. <laughs> Bro, that's you. But if you're okay. not as superficial as me, then, <laughs> yeah. then, you know, it doesn't really matter Honestly, if you're on the waitlist or not. I think, the, I think the bigger appeal to staying on the waitlist is if, like, by some reason you are looking at the schools you got into and either you, you don't like it after you thought you liked it when you applied or you think about it and you hear something about the school and you look into it randomly and you really like the one, you really listed that more than you did before and it ends up being your new number one, I think there's some appeal there just in case that happens or something goes wrong with financial aid at the schools you get into. I think it's always a, a safer option to have more options. And you don't really lose anything. Like There's no fee to stay on the wait list. It's non-binding. You don't have to do any more work. You click a couple buttons. Oh, the only thing I just thought about this, but if you want to be like a good person, then if you don't think oh, you would go to the school no, for no. any reason, like no way you would ever go to the school, then maybe not accept the waitlist because potentially you might get an email in like, I don't know, June and be like, oh my gosh, congratulations. And you're like, nope, never mind, I'm not going to go. And you just took it away from one But kid. even then, I think, yeah, like usually usually I say, like if you want to be a nice person, you reject the offer of admission like sooner than later until it expires. But even here, like I don't think it has an effect because they're just going to go on to the next kid. I mean, they want as much money as they can get and they want to fill as many spots as they can. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely just going to move on to the next kid on the list. Yeah, I, I totally disagree with you, Nee, here. It's, it's just because <laughs> well, if thanks. you want to do it, you should do it. This is your college application process. You only get one chance of this. You should do whatever the That's you true. want I'm here. done. I, really... I should bleep that out, too. I got to bleep that out, too. <laughs> I'm editing, my Okay. Right, you can edit it if you want Remember to. Remember to bleep. <laughs> I'm such a good podcaster. No, but the other thing is, like, you're right, Dominic. It's that even you're going to you, – you stay on the wait list. Let's say you get off the wait list. You could potentially be taking a spot from someone if you accept the place at the school. But then if you accept the place at the school, that's the reason why you're on the wait list in the first place. If you reject the offer after being on the wait list, they're just going to pick someone else after you. Um, true, true. Act quickly. Like, obviously act quickly. Don't, like, draw it out if you know the answer. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and this also comes for any regular decision people um, thinking about merit-based scholarships. Those are ways to incentivize students to go to the school, oftentimes, with merit-based scholarships. So you staying on the list for a merit-based scholarship up till May 1st, even though you know why, where you want to go and it's not that school, that is actually very bad for someone because – the merit-based scholarships are going to be filled by someone. There's always someone else to incentivize. And you staying on the list for that and just ending up not going or knowing that you're not going can actually be bad. So make decisions. Or if you have made a decision, tell the school about it. Hey, y'all. Before we get to the rest of the episode, I just wanted to plug our Instagram. Okay. I hate to be that person. I hate to be the Instagram influencer, but, uh, we have some pretty good stuff on our page, at admissions.uncovered. It's not just college advice. We have that there, but we also have fun questions. We have amazing memes. Don't let anybody tell you they're not great. College admissions memes, high school memes, college memes, all the fun, relatable memes. And of course, 
There are also some very cool stories. I take some pictures of cool things at Columbia. Whenever I'm coming home late from the library, you get some nice night views. And also, you get a sneak peek at our new projects. And trust me, our new projects are pretty cool. In fact, just today, as I'm editing this at 2 a.m. on the 24th of April, I just a few hours earlier finished up the logo for a new podcast. And if you want to see that logo, you have to go to at admissions.uncovered on Instagram and look at our story. That's at admissions.uncovered. Follow us at admissions.uncovered. Now back to the show. Let's talk about numbers for waitlists because I feel like that's a question everybody has. Yeah. And I'm going to be real honest. It's not that pretty. Not that pretty. It's nope. Really? Uh, we will have some, there's going to be some links on the show notes or I guess in the show notes. In the show notes yes. on the emissionsuncovered.com website. Uh, if you go to this, will be episode 47. Yes. If you go to episode 47 on the website, you go down to show notes, there'll be some great links there. Uh, one of them, the one I'm looking at, it's a big list of a ton of schools. There's about 142 on there, uh, minus some that aren't listed. But that's a great resource to see what offers were accepted and how many kids they took off of the list. And you can kind of find your school and judge it from there. Also, I think a lot of schools that are similar. So the Ivy leagues probably have similar stats on the amount they, they waitlist and take off the waitlist. I think you could compare mm-hmm. it across there if you get it. But I will say when I was looking at some of these schools, a lot of the numbers change over time uh, quite substantially, even within like 10 years. So old data is definitely not, a good source to be looking at uh this data is from 2017 2018 so it's very recent i would go off that and then there's some other ones that michael and you are going to be talking about one thing i'll mention about like the date stuff is that it honestly does these statistics honestly are going to depend from year to year because if one year schools have a sudden spike in the matriculation rate or the rate at which admitted students actually say yes to the school that has a serious effect on the waitlist because if an above average number of people accept the offer, then there's just less Not enough seats. room. Exactly. Not enough room for students on the wait list. And in fact, that's what happened at Harvard for the class of 2021. No people off the wait list. Um, and, and MIT too for the class of 2022. So these st- statistics are not going to be as stable as admissions rates are. They're going to be fairly jumpy depending on the matriculation mm-hmm. rate, but I feel like the general consensus I think we can all agree to is that it's very great. Yeah. It's not amazing. So especially for schools that have like high yield rates, like it's just like simple math. They, if a lot of people agree to go, then they just don't have a bunch of seats to give people off the wait list. And I know we said, um, not every school is going to be like MIT or Harvard where it's like zero people off the wait list. But if you look, um, if you look at like some of the websites that we've posted, usually the percentage will, it's really low. Like sometimes it's like 2% or like, um, 3%. So even harder to get off the wait list than was to get into the school itself, which like makes sense. The more competitive the school, usually the students will mm-hmm. want to go to the school more. Cause like usually they will be like their dream school. So it's definitely very difficult. I know I was looking at like a few schools and some schools will take like only like one or two or some schools might take 10 or 20 but generally the numbers are really low 
and it also depends like the percentage on how many people they actually decide to offer waitlist to because some schools like I feel like based on my research will offer more people like waitlist to more students than others which is also kind of it kind of sucks because like you know you're not gonna really like accept all those kids you're gonna accept a very small percentage yet you're waitlisting so many of them but that's just like how the process works yeah and in fact so i was doing research into mit because i think me mentioned before the show that for one the class of 2022 they had zero kids off the waitlist and their faq mit is actually fairly transparent about this a lot of schools don't give this stat out but mit notes that they give waitlist offers to about two percent of i think total applicants which is actually a fairly good number because that means if you've gotten a waitlist off of mit it isn't just like ah i'm just like everybody else whereas it feels like that for a lot of other schools and i think the numbers are going to depend on the type of school as well I think more established schools have a better like idea of their matriculation rate and they've stayed about the same tier on the, the rankings. And so their yield rates going to be pretty much the same, but for schools that are either up and coming or tailing off from the rankings, I think their numbers are going to be mm-hmm. a little bit different year to year. So they're going to have greater variance in their matriculation rates and their yield rates and, the amount they waitlist and the amount they accept off the waitlist, you're just going to have to look at each school and kind of judge it yeah. based off of the data and how you think it's going to be different also, from year to year. I think another thing that's difficult kind of about this waitlist thing is that, so I don't think off the wait, like off the waitlist, like everyone has kind of like the same chance of getting off the waitlist kind of thing. Because I've read a lot of places, like some articles and they're like, it kind of just depends on the student that they're looking for. So most waitlists aren't ranked. So like after um, they see how many students are accepted, they'll go through every single application again. But it's also kind of like the same thing with like the normal college admissions process. Like maybe they need this year, they need um, X person or like Y person or like to this and that. So it really depends. So I think that's also what makes getting off the waitlist harder because you don't know kind of what they need that year well the one exception to that is i don't know if this is something that happens at a lot of schools but at harvard there's a special waitlist called the z list which is the harvard crimson calls it overwhelmingly white often legacies so basically it's a deferred admissions pool so students who are uh, students who are put on the z list are students who are let into the school but have to defer enrollment by a year and typically mm-hmm. about 50 and 6 to 60 students are on the Z list and they're all typically fairly wealthy legacy type students. Um, and interestingly enough, the way we knew about the no, the way we know about the Z list is actually through the lawsuit about affirmative action. So random fun fact, <laughs> I personally disagree with the lawsuit, but I think it shows it's, it's brought a lot of information to light, which is bad (laughs) Uh, but if you're interested the article will be in the show notes Mm -hmm. as well and kind Mm -hmm. of like the z-list i think um i heard this from a friend like carnegie mellon has this thing called the priority waitlist so Mm. from what i've heard about it it's that um 
if they do take people kind of like off the wait list, you're gonna be you have a much better chance of getting off that wait list because like kind of they've kind of like found something like in your application they're like okay we definitely could accept this kid it's just that we don't have enough room and I know like it may sound like a regular waitlist kind of thing but that's also but it's also I feel like more emphasis that you definitely have a much higher chance than all the numbers that we've been talking about because they're like okay we really like you and we're choosing to put you in this specific type of waitlist like the priority waitlist so you have uh, like a pretty decent chance of getting off the waitlist if we do take someone off because we'll look at you and your application first and if they like you then they'll let um take you off the waitlist so it really depends I don't think probably most schools don't have this but um here and there you kind of just got to research and see what type of um waitlist they offer also with the Gabia thing a lot of schools are more public about that uh so like the U Chicago one that's right on the waitlist form I've seen it myself <laughs> um so it, it like you, you have the choice to be either um on the waitlist itself and then you can also choose the the gap year option and that kind of i would imagine what it does is it it boosts your chances of getting in because then they don't have to worry about this year's numbers uh, so if they like you they can just accept you for next year and then you're rolled over into the next year's numbers and that opens up many more spots well, the, the U Chicago case is kind of interesting because my year, so class of 2022, they actually had a huge matriculation rate probably because they took a lot of kids in ED so they could get their yield rate for sure up. And they took way too many. So they had to beg students to take a gap year. They were offering students who got into U Chicago stipend money, study abroad money for that one year. They were real desperate to get people to defer admission. And I think most of it was because they actually didn't have enough first year housing. So <laughs> U Chicago took the numbers game way too far, way too far last year. So they just took way too we many people. We love you, U Chicago. Yeah, wait, wait, we do love you, U Chicago. We love we you. We love you. It's your boy, Dominic. <laughs> Let him in. Hashtag let Dominic in. Let's make this <laughs> trending it. on Twitter, y'all. Okay, one question I had about the waitlist is, do do you know when they tell you that you get off the waitlist? Like, Michael, what was your experience with, like, Harvard and, like, when they answered? So, as is the general vibe that colleges are, they're very not transparent. And they're particularly not transparent about when they're going to tell you you got off the wait list. Because I know some schools are like, sometimes we'll tell you before May 1st, sometimes we'll tell you before June, or like, I don't know, it's really weird. It's and they're like, really some kids weird. have gotten off the wait list even before May 1st, so you better claim your spot. So in my experience, nobody gave me a answer before May 1st. Mm-hmm. That's and, why you should submit a deposit by yeah, May 1st. Yes, submit a deposit. I know we've said this before, but submit a deposit. Please, 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 please. Um, yes, please. Please do that. Like, pretty please with a cherry on top and the whole deal. Submit a deposit. But, yeah, you know, after May 1st, they kind of just trickled in. To be honest, I wasn't really thinking a lot about the waitlist for most of them. I was really only thinking about the Harvard waitlist mostly. Um, and so they they actually really didn't provide much information about when they were going to be releasing it. 
I got a heads up maybe two days before because my my teacher had called up the regional admissions officer and the regional admissions officer was like, oh, hey, thanks for calling. You'll know a decision in like a few days. So I got a little bit of a heads up because I had my counselor call, the admin, Mr. When was this? Was this during like June or? No, this was like mid, mid, probably like the third to fourth week of May. Okay. Yeah. May? No. What? What? Yeah. Yeah, they gave me the answer in May. Hmm. I definitely wasn't waiting till June. What about other schools? Um, so, I mean, if I remember correctly, Northwestern was before Harvard. It's, I, I, I don't know the specific dates, but I, I know for sure none of them got back to me before May 1st. Okay, but like... So here's what I think as far as the timeline, right? You, you have these kids responding by May 1st, so... May 2nd, the school knows how many kids they have coming to it. I think from there, they start looking at their numbers, see if they can take any, and then they just go back through the applications. Obviously, the, the waitlist process, by looking at the applications, they're going to be different for each school. Some of them rank them. Most of them, from what we've gathered, don't. So they might just have to go through the rest of them. Maybe they assign tags to each kid, uh, saying they need another clarinet player or another track runner. And then they'll they'll go through the applications again, and then they'll start offering it. And then I think they just keep going down the list until they have people. I've seen stuff from my research come back as early as May 8th. Um, it, I, it probably also comes back maybe two weeks before school starts. It just all depends yeah. on the school. Specifically, I think I can't remember. It was one of the schools, and they're like, we reserve the right to let you know the the first week that classes start of your like yeah. freshman year i'm just like what that's the thing but like if they answer you okay hopefully the school is good and they'll answer you within may and stuff because the thing i feel like a lot of people are like okay what if like i'm all ready to go i'm packed i arrive at the school and then i get this wait list and then i'm just like like you're un you imagine, imagine like you're, you're opening you're going up, up to school yeah, you're stuff. opening up your boxes just like all right nope and go the other direction you just like go through like the tape and then you're like oh never mind okay new label let's get going like shake your roommate's um, hand you walk in there you're like also, oh never mind sorry, goodbye go. is there a timeline <laughs> on how like long you have to wait before like you answer to see if you're gonna accept their offer or not is that a th- i would imagine they give you maybe a couple days but they're definitely looking to fill that spot, so they're gonna like maybe like one or two weeks. Try to get it, maybe like a couple there. days. I mean, they'll typically give you a timeline. They'll typically give you a timeline at which you have to decide. And if it's super late, for example, if they actually do get back to you in the summer, you probably should decide quickly, anyways, because mm-hmm. you have to like book flights and plan. Yeah. But generally, Michael, in your your case, most of them got back before school ended, right? All of them got back before yeah, school ended? all of them got back to me before school ended. I, I just checked my phone. Um, Harvard was May 16th. Okay. So just keep in mind. Yeah, I also feel like maybe they're like, okay, let's just not make the kids wait any longer, even though they made us wait so long. Oh my god. But yeah. Anyways. Again, it's the fundamental asymmetry of college admissions. Like, we have a month to decide. They have. Blah, blah months copy and paste rants for episodes no let me tell you something some of these schools i have a school that is still not giving me my financial aid package i will say like i'm not going to go to the school but i feel like (laughs) 
it's such it's such an awful thing to do. Like I have to make a decision. We're recording this on the twenty second, so it's eight days. And these schools still are not giving kids financial aid yeah. packages. Like, how do you do that to a kid? I have a friend. I have a friend uh, here who didn't get her financial aid package until new student orientation. Bruh. What? And she still That's accepted? How... Yeah, That's because crazy. I, like, she had some stuff figured out in case it didn't go her way. But mm. think about how insane that is for someone who doesn't for sure have it figured out. You have to make a call about the rest of... The, the four years that you're going oh, to spend yeah, because... in college without knowing how much you're going to have to pay. You, so it's if you insane. Don't... Colleges, at colleges, yeah. do better. Because, like, if you don't accept um, the offer by May 1st, then it's automatically considered, like, you declined their offer, right? Yeah. And, I'm you know, you yeah. always hear stories about kids messing it up and having to beg to the college. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't work out. Don't take that risk. Put in a don't, deposit to school take... that you would go to deposit just, as soon as honestly, possible. I feel like for this process, you just got to think about it as like, okay, I'm putting down a deposit. I'm going to the school. If something happens mm-hmm. and I'm accepted, yay. But like, do not mm-hmm. get into your mindset that like, okay, I'm just going to put in this deposit. I'm going to get off the wait list. It's going to be all good. Just think of it as if you didn't have a school on the wait list. If everything was either rejected or accepted and you're just picking which school that you're going to go to for sure. And then if a wait list comes, then you can decide then, but it's still good to be in a mindset that like, all right, worst case scenario, because as we've said, the numbers really aren't pretty for like the wait list. So just make a decision. And the more thought you put into it, I feel like you're not going to regret your decision later. Now let's cover a few ways to help boost your chances with the wait list. Uh, first off, I know we talked about this with being deferred, a letter of continued interest is uh, definitely a good place to start. You, it's also like referred to as a, a update letter or whatever. You just kind of s- in the, you send a letter uh, commonly through the portal or maybe to your regional rep. Uh, I would talk to your counselor about that, uh, depending on the school, or maybe do a quick Google search and see how they like those sent in. Uh, but it basically just says, "Hey, I still want to go to your school." Um, and then it, you can talk about a few things that have happened since you submitted your application because, you know, you submitted your application like five months ago. So a lot of stuff hopefully has happened since then. You haven't just fell off absolutely the nothing. This can be kind of an empty letter. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's definitely a good place to start. Michael, what else did you do in your waitlist quest? So I didn't get off the waitlist, so... You know, maybe I didn't do it right, but I think the other thing is that even if you do every single thing right, the odds are against you. It's just so hard to get off the waitlist, and I just want to keep repeating it. Please, please don't get your hopes too up. Mm -mm. This is kind of the last Hail Mary, and if you don't get off the waitlist, it's just kind of how things usually are, right? And, And frankly, that's unfortunately how most of this process is. It's just a bunch of like... You shoot your shot and you see what happens, but it's so much more so for the waitlist. But obviously there are some things you can do to try to give yourself a little bit of an edge, even if at the end of the day it might not matter too much. So one thing I had my counselor do, my, my admin, as I call him, Mr. Gonzalez, he did a podcast about teacher rec letters that you can find at admissionsuncovered.com. Um, he, he put in a call to... Um, 
our regional admissions officer for Harvard. His name is, I forget, I forget his name. Um, and frankly, I probably shouldn't say on the podcast what yeah. the admissions officer's name is. Um, unless he wants to come on the podcast, in which case, email me. He he put in a call, and in fact, it's kind of hard to get regional admissions officers' contact information because top schools try to hide that because they know kids will just randomly put in emails. UChicago mm-hmm. published it two years when I was a sophomore. I, I emailed my regional admissions officer some question, and now I think they're just completely off the website. Um, so <laughs> it can be hard to find their contact information. In fact, for me, I had to dig through Harvard's like semi-private contact information like employee Bruh. directory and you had to sign in to you, Michael you know, breaking like you all these rules the here. name okay i didn't break the rules so it was a public facing site i clicked his name but that was behind like a paywall okay so i had a friend at harvard and sent the link to them and they gave me the contact information <laughs> which mm-hmm. i then gave to my teacher who then made the call and put in the email. So it was a lot of work. It really was. And it was kind of like secret spy stuff. <laughs> um, Michael's very proud. I Well, I didn't get it off the wait list, so I don't know how proud I should be. Um, but yeah. This would have been a great story. counselor call if I got in. <laughs> yep. It's okay. <laughs> we don't talk we, about that. We don't talk about that. All right, Michael, anything else? that you'd recommend uh, to get off the wait list? No, honestly, those two things are kind of all you can do. Did you do that for every school? No, No. just for Harvard. Yeah, one thing I will say about the call, like, if you care about your counselor or your admin or whoever's making that call, I, I, as a regional admissions officer, would not appreciate it. Like, if I got a call from a, a person vouching for their character... And then I admitted them off the wait list through one of the few select spots and then they turned it down. So I'm pretty sure, at least in the eyes of counselors I've talked to, like if you make that call, that's the school that you're going to if you get in. Yeah. Obviously it's your process. Burn whatever bridge you want, but. Try to play nice. If you make that call, like that's pretty much the biggest thing you can do um for the wait list. it's kind of the last card you have in your pocket yeah um, and also the other thing is i could have wrote letters for the other schools maybe maybe i should have so i could have thought through more options but y'all it was second semester of senior year i could barely get up in the morning to go to school Bar- <laughs> by barely i mean i was late mm. almost every, every single day as yeah michael we got some good stories i'm, I'm sure i'm sure y'all do um no you remember the um the dart bus one that you had to call the police for? oh right because it that was a good I story because it one. said call 911 yeah, yeah let, let us tell you a great story this is a little little nugget for people that are still listening to this podcast <laughs> michael and i were on the train this is my junior year you know second special junior you're just burnt out and then Michael is rusted out over here. Look at these psychology terms, you know, AP psychology mm-hmm, showing through. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Michael's out here. He's getting off the train. I'm getting off the train. We're walking to school because we missed the bus. As right? we do. <laughs> yeah. We're walking to school. It's only like a half mile. It's really not that bad. We just walk up to the school and we see this 
big public transportation bus drive-by completely empty except for the driver and where it says the route number up top it says call 911 and i re- i still remember the driver's face as we are walking by the driver is like staring at us as pedestrians walking down the road with like just this this sense of like helplessness in in his, in the driver's eyes and i was like we were freaked out i remember Michael, you want to talk about how, because uh, we called the the public transportation police. We found that number and called them. And Michael, what did what did they respond it's with? It's so up. So, so I called them and was like really freaked out and panicking. Like, oh my gosh, I just saw a bus that's flashing call 911. I'm, I'm, I'm at 8th and Crinth uh, Station between that and whatever the station at the school, whatever the stop at the school was. I don't know what to do, but I'm, but I'm calling you. And, and the operator was just like, Thanks so much for letting us know. Is this a good number to call back if we have more questions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just like stone cold response. It was like, all right, thanks for letting us know. Um, have a good day. Like, <laughs> it was so weird. It's like, I mean, we didn't hear anything on the news, like real crazy. So I guess they figured it yeah, out. Yeah, but, but a bus was flashing call 911. I mean, that doesn't happen yeah. every day. Even in New York City. I've never seen it happen in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> so... We were a little freaked, and the operator, mm, that operator, I don't know. Public transport, y'all. I have thoughts. Anyway, let me sum this up. So pick a school from the ones you got accepted into. Yes. Make that decision before the commitment Please. day. It's probably May 1st, but your school might pull a fast one and have it before. Just make sure you do that. You don't want to miss the deadline no. for sure. Pick your school, commit to that school, be happy with that school. Start talking to your roommate. If the wait list, do, do the things like writing a letter of contingent interest. Talk to your counselor. If you really, really want to go to that school, talk, follow all the steps that we talked about. And then if you get it off the wait list, make the decision from there. And then before you know it, you are starting freshman year of college. Whoop, whoop. Okay. I'm sorry to ruin the amazing conclusion. Now but I had one more thought about, about the letter of continued interest. Definitely treat it as an update letter. So brag about anything you have to brag about that happened after college applications had already been sent in. But the name of the letter implies continued interest. Talk about why you're interested in the school. This is the moment to seem the most passionate about anything that you have ever been in your life. Pour your heart out into this letter. Be very, very specific about why you want to go to that school. Because if you just do another bland like, I want to go to your school because it has cool professors and a great academic program. Please let me off the wait list. Sincerely, Michael Gao. It's not inspiring anybody. (laughs) Let alone an admissions officer who, you know, is picking between a lot of people. So be a little bit more inspirational than I was just then. Or, and, and, you know, even more inspirational than I was in my Harvard uh, waitlist letter. (laughs) But yes, definitely very hard to get off the waitlist. So don't be too bummed if yeah. when you get it back, it says we're unable to. Because the numbers we've told you, we've told you about how hard getting into a lot of these competitive schools are. Getting off the waitlist for these schools is even harder. even harder. So it definitely should not dissuade you from looking back at this college admissions process and being like, wow, I failed. Like you, you've probably and yeah. definitely picked a school Put in a deposit by May 1st to the school that you want to go to. So just focus on that. Um, find a roommate. 
uh find like cool places to eat at go visit chill buy a bunch of swag show off your school and just enjoy the rest of your senior year don't fail every class but enjoy senior year and the summer and then you're off to college yeah don't get rescinded don't get d's (laughs) no felonies oh no yeah, 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 nope, nope. Michael nope. has had that line typed at the top I of know. a paper for at least two episodes. He, I've just been, like, I know he's been sitting on it. You know when people, They're like, you can just tell. tell that joke. They've been, they've been waiting on the joke for so, oh my. I've been reading it. I was like, I don't get it. It's just like, I, I guess the delivery is better than seeing it written. Good job, Michael. Thank you. There's your Thank moment. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let me know if you liked it over on Instagram at admissions.uncovered. With that, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Missions Uncovered podcast about being on the wait list. Uh, Wherever you choose to go to school, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. I know Michael kept telling that to me. I finally adopted the philosophy. You will be okay. It's going to all work out. Good luck with the wait list, and we'll see you next week. As usual, my name is Michael Gout. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Watch. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> my God. And I have to do this without laughing. No, I'm going to turn off my mic. I mean, my uh, camera. So you can't see me. You can't see me crap. You better turn up. it back on, though. <clears throat> All right. Mute yourself in the call too, because if you if you All even right. like snicker, I'm gonna. <laughs> uh, you can just turn it back on after I say. Uh, okay. After I say your name. Then I'll start laughing. Okay. <laughs>